There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. In the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter number 17. Leviticus chapter 17. As I promised today, we will pick up our study of the tabernacle. We've kind of shifted our focus to the sacrifices that are being offered. These sacrifices would be offered from the tabernacle all the way in through to the temple as well. And so we're going to make a study on Sunday night of these sacrifices, the sacrificial offerings, and we'll be looking at those one by one. But what I want to do in the first two messages of this series is do a, a couple of messages looking at sacrifice as a whole. These will be more topical than they will be anyway. I want to spend two weeks on just the subject of sacrifice. And then we'll go into the each and individual one of these. Tonight, I want us to look at the sacrificial offerings from the aspect of their dem- demonstration. Demonstration. And then later on, not next week, but the week after on the Sunday night, we'll look at the sacrificial offerings there. Uh, designation, the the different types, and we'll do a summary before we look in depth. But I want you, if you will, stand with me uh, to honor and reverence the reading of God's Word. Leviticus 17 and verse number 11. It is a very familiar verse, often quoted in gospel preaching. But Leviticus 17, 11, look at what it says. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we'll talk about tonight the sacrificial offerings, their demonstration, the activity of sacrifice. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much. For your love and mercy upon this place. You have been good to us. Father, I thank you for those that have assembled with us tonight. And I pray, Father, that you'd take this study of sacrifice and you would bless our hearts. God, I pray that you'd take us to the dim extent of the start of this world and show us how Year by year, century by century, movement of God by movement of God, you increase the light of what sacrifice really means and what it says. Father, let us see the Lord Jesus. We have met in vain tonight. If we study about sacrifices and not see the sacrifice of all sacrifices. Father, I pray you'd bless the preaching of your word to the saving of souls and the changing of lives. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Now, in the tabernacle, the pieces of furniture 
were not the way to God in and of themselves. I know we talked about them a long time. And I know we emphasized them. And we talked about how they picture Christ. But those those pieces of furniture were not a way to God in and of themselves. You see, the real true, uh, the true and real way to God came by means of the sacrifice. All of these pieces of furnishing, furniture were to undergird the main activity of the tabernacle, which was sacrifice. Now, sacrifice is not a unique to the Bible. I want to read you a passage from a book I read that is very enlightening. Look at what it says. It says this. From the Moabites in the Middle East to the Aztecs of South America, people have sacrificed to placate, or the word placate means to appease or to please the gods they serve, hoping that they would produce good crops prosper throughout the year, enjoy good health, and be victorious over hostile peoples living around them. But the sacrifices in Scripture, uh, uh, the sacrifices of Scripture in view of the entire revelation of God do not point to temporal things. The sacrifices of the Bible have one beaming application, one large arrow pointing us to none other than Jesus Christ. Far beyond prosperity, far beyond power and protection, there as Hebrews 10.1 says, a shadow of good things to come. These sacrifices, like the furniture of the tabernacle, point us to the person and work of Christ. The sacrifice to end all sacrifices. You see, in these sacrifices, in these sacrificial offerings, and particularly in this message, the demonstration of that sacrifice, we see how that Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, made a way of salvation for every one of us. And so I want to look at these principles of sacrifice and point us to Jesus from them. The first thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see the purpose of sacrifice. The purpose of sacrifice. You see, sacrifice is woven through the entire fabric of Scripture. Sacrifice is defined by the dictionary as the offering of an animal, a plant, or a human being, or some material possession to a deity as a propitiation or as a propitiation or an homage. That's what a sacrifice means. But I want you to notice, first of all, in this purpose of sacrifice, I want you to see the theory of sacrifice. Now, I'm reading a very interesting book about the whole subject of sacrifices and offering. And that book detailed some of the world's theories about sacrifice. And you need to maybe... Understand this a little bit. Listen to it a little bit. Listen to, first of all, they offer several theories as to why people offered sacrifices. One of the theories is the gift theory. The offering sacrifices, in offering sacrifices, there is the gift theory. They, They gave a gift to gain favor with God. They Basically, they gave to get. 
You know how some people, some people have offerings and tithing all wrong. They think if they give, they will get. I'll be honest, when I first started tithing and giving, that's the attitude that I had towards giving. I give to get. And that is a wrong, a wrong theory. But that's the theory that's given in this book. Not only that, also the magic theory. The magic theory. The magic theory was that sacrifices were offered to drive away evil demons from uh, sick people. And that those demons would reside in the victim of the sacrifice. uh, It was done to appease the gods by way of magic. I I was listening to uh, the receptionist yesterday and she was talking to someone else and she did this whole thing about... Knock on wood. Have you ever heard somebody say something and they say, well, knock on wood. That seems to say that they're hoping that it doesn't happen. And I told them, you know where that knock on wood comes from? Knock on wood comes from in the in the days of the uh, the medieval days, people thought that evil spirits resided up in the tops of the trees. And that by going out to the trees and and banging on the wood of the trees that they would scare the demons back up into the tree and they would have good favor. Well, that's kind of the theme of this magical sacrifice. They wanted to scare away the bad demons. And so there's a magic theory. There's a gift theory. Also, there is a table bond theory. Uh, this uh, sacrifice is one that was shared like a meal. And they would they would uh, share a meal. They would eat part of it. And then they would sacrifice the rest to establish some kind of fellowship between them. There was a communion theory. Very much like the table, the table bond theory. And the animal was offered. And the offering was considered divine. And so that by eating portions of that sacrifice offering, they were taking into themselves... Uh, some sort of magical strength and magical power. Then there's the homage theory. But this theory, sacrifices were offered not out of a sense of sin, but out of a feeling of dependence upon deity. Therefore, gaining their God's, uh, their God's fa- their favor in their God's sight. So there's the homage theory. Those are the theories of sacrifice. But I want to go beyond that to not the theories of sacrifice, but the theology of sacrifice. Because to be honest, as the people of God, we are not too interested in theories about sacrifice. We're interested in theology. What does our God say about sacrifice? Sacrifice originated in the mind and heart of God. It is not the concoction of man. It's not something man thought of. Sacrifice originated in the heart of God. Man's sense has perverted it into that magical offering and that uh, and that gift offering and the, all the different types of theories. Man has perverted it away from what God had intended it to be. You see, when we read Leviticus, if you read from Leviticus 1.1 and you read to, through to Leviticus 7.38, God communicates to us that the act of sacrifice has nothing to do with superstition 
and has everything to do with substitution. Has nothing to do with superstition. Has everything to do with substitution. You see, it is the means by which the wrath of God upon sin is held back by the substitutional act of symbolically transferring man's sin upon an animal's sacrifice to make atonement before God. You see, sacrifice has everything to do with the personal character of God. You see, everything we learn from sacrifice tells us about the personal character of God. I like what one author said. Listen to what he said. This is how we can see the character of God in sacrifice. The holiness of God demands a sacrifice. The majesty of God requires certain regulations. The honor of God necessitates a code of conduct. The perfection of God expects the best of its kind. The purity of God deserved the uh, the purity of God deserves the freedom from blemish and the sovereignty of God meant absolute obedience to detail. You see, when we follow sacrifice through the Scriptures, we learn about who God is, what He is like. You see, that's what we'll learn in these offerings. We'll see more of God and more of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of sacrifice. Substitution. And knowing about the person of God. Notice also, not only the purpose of sacrifice, but I want you to see the precedence of sacrifice. Now in the beginning, there's no need for a sacrifice. You see, because Adam and Eve and God fellowshiped in sinless, unbroken communion. You see, sacrifice was not always the norm. The norm of life was for man to walk with God in perfect fellowship. In fellowship free from sin. But after the fall of man, God introduced a way in which sinful people could fellowship with the Holy God. Because because of that fall, because of man's sin, there was a separation. And sacrifice was the only way to bridge the gap so that man and God could have fellowship. Now I want you to see in this precedent set, I want you to see the establishment of precedence. You know what precedence means, right? They often refer to precedence in legal matters. Let's say a judgment went on in the past and that judgment has been recorded. Lawyers of today will refer to that past judgment and they say listen the precedence has already been set the decision has already been made well the precedence is set uh, uh, for sacrifice and it was set it was established in the garden of eden you see the establishment of precedence for sacrifice came in genesis 3:21 genesis 3:21 uh, it says unto adam also and to his wife the lord uh, did Did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them? Right there in those few words, God constituted, God precedented, He established the beginning of sacrifice. 
You see, after the condemnation and after the curse of sin uh, that it always brings, God brought a covering. God brought a way of covering sin. You see, now we are told, now we're not told specifically, we're not told specifically here in that verse that God made an atonement for their sins through that sacrificial animal. But we know the animals just didn't give up that coat. That animals just didn't give up that skin. No, that animal died. But we see in that verse, we see the shadow of what is happening. You see, it must be assumed that it must be assumed that the animal was sacrificed, that God personally taught Adam and Eve the how and the why of sacrifice. Later, if you'll remember later, Cain and Abel. You remember the story of Cain and Abel. How that the, the Bible specifically talks about them giving a sacrifice. What did Cain do? He brought the works of his hands from the field. He brought the grains and the first fruits of the field. And then uh, Abel brought what? He brought the firstling of the flock. What's the difference between the two? Blood. What's the difference between the two? An animal sacrifice and a grain sacrifice. You see, the difference is blood. Uh, you see, and he brought the firstling of the flock. What do we find? We find the precedent had already been set. God accepts a blood sacrifice. God does not accept the works of our hands. He accepted the blood-filled sacrifice of Abel and rejected the bloodless sacrifice of Cain. You see, God taught Adam and Eve the importance of blood atonement when He slew the animals in Eden to cover their nakedness. You see, the precedence was established in the Garden of Eden. You want to blame bloody Calvary on somebody? Don't blame it on the Romans. Don't blame it on the Jews. Blame it where sin came into this world. Because it was, it was then and there that the blood sacrifice was constituted, okay? Was established. Now in this precedence, I want you to see not only the establishment of precedence, but I want you to see the extinction of precedence. You see, this blood sacrifice precedence was extended by the patriarchs. You know, it just didn't stop. It just didn't stop with Cain and Abel. But it continued on. Noah, when Noah came off of the ark in Genesis 8 and verse 20, the Lord, he, the, uh, Noah offered a burnt offering to the Lord of every clean beast and, and fowl in the ark. It was a, it was a covenantal sacrifice. You see, this one was a promise that was cut between God and Noah that God would never flood the earth again. Then we go on to the patriarch Job. Job, if you'll, I mean, you'd probably know this, but Job is some of the oldest writings in the Bible. They actually precede that of, of Genesis, go well beyond that. And here we find Job. What is Job doing? Job is giving a sacrifice in Job 1.5. He is offering it for the sins of his children. There we see substitution. 
we see that uh, that uh, uh, Job was the high priest of his family, accepting the offerings on the behalf of his children and giving them unto God. You see, it was that substitutional thought. We go from Job, we can go right into Abraham. Abraham, the great patriarch Abraham. And what did Abraham do? Abraham built altars. Altars are are mounds of rocks in which the only thing could happen at an altar is a sacrifice be placed on top of them. And so everywhere Abraham went, he built an altar. And by doing that, it implies that he gave a sacrifice. The first mention of sacrifice in the life of Abraham, it was connected with the Abrahamic covenant. You see, the animals were uh, were ser- severed into separating pieces and they were taken and placed across a path, making a bloody path. Do you remember, recall what happened in uh, Genesis 15 when that Abrahamic covenant was cut between Abraham and God? God caused a great darkness to fall across Abraham. And God Himself, as a burning lamp, as a smoking fire, walked through that, uh, walked through that covenant path by Himself. What God is saying is, Abraham, you can't keep your side of the bargain. And so my, this covenant is not based upon your faithfulness, but it's based upon upon my faithfulness. And on and on, we see those sacrifices passed down to Isaac. Isaac in Genesis 26, 23 through 25, we find Isaac doing the very same thing, building an altar and offering sacrifice to God. We see it passed down to Jacob. And Jacob in Genesis 28, Genesis 31, Genesis 46, the continued precedence is blood sacrifice. With each successive generation, God is showing, revealing more and more of Himself in demonstration of the sacrificial offerings. You see, the sacrificial offering had everything to do with what? Substitution and covenant. Substitution and covenant. That's exactly what happened at the cross. Substitution and covenant was cut. You see, now lastly, I want you to see not only the purpose of sacrifice, the precedence of sacrifice, but notice lastly the prescription of sacrifice. Remember I left off with who? Jacob, didn't I? Jacob took his family to Egypt and there they resided some 400 years until Moses came and the deliverance of God came. In those 400 years, there is no mention of a sacrifice. No mention of an altar. It seems as though the sacrifice died with the patriarchs. But on the 10th day of Nisan, a sacrifice once again was prescribed by God. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the initial prescription. What I'm talking about is In Exodus, I believe, chapter number 14, where it dictates that on the 10th day, the family was to go out and get the firstling of the flock. And they were to set it aside until the 14th day to make sure it had no spot and no blemish, that it was perfect. And on the 14th day, it was slain. The blood was placed on the lintel and the doorpost. The people sat with their loins girded, ready to go, and they ate that Passover meal. And in that night, the death angel passed through. And whoever didn't have the blood on their threshold and on their lintel, the death angel came. The wrath of God fell upon that home. You 
see this uh, this uh, substitutional uh, substitutional sacrifice brought deliverance and freedom. You see, it is a direct picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the lovely Lamb of God, who is the Passover Lamb, whose blood shelters us from the certain wrath of God upon our sin. John one twenty nine said, the next day John saw Jesus coming unto him, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20, for as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, or with vain conversation of, of received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times to you. This initial prescription is a direct picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who took our sin on Calvary's cross that we may run, that we may avoid the wrath of God upon sin. That a covenant be cut between us and God. And that leads me not only to the initial prescription, but the expanded prescription. You see, after that deliverance, the children of Israel were taken out of Egypt's land and brought to Mount Sinai. It is there where God instituted the covenant with His people. A covenant through sacrifice. You see, the burnt offerings atone for the sin and it pictured their surrender to God. You see, there at Mount Sinai, all the twelve tribes of Israel came and they offered sacrifice to God. And they offered blood sacrifice to God and the blood of sprinkling and the blood of pouring and the, and the burning of the flesh. It was a, it was an atonement for sins and it was a surrender unto God. You see, in the Bible, the peace offerings symbolize their reconciliation and fellowship with God and the burnt offerings symbolize and picture their complete surrender to God. You see, through sacrifice, through sacrifice, God revealed much to Israel and He does the same to us. Through sacrifice, number one, their sins can be atoned. Number two, they were bound to God in a covenant. And number three, God promised His favor in exchange for their obedience. I tell you what, you have New Testament Christianity right then and there. Oh, our sins have been atoned for on the cross of Calvary and our, and our, we are bound to God by a covenant bond at the cross of Calvary and God has promised grace upon His people that will follow Him. You see, we find here the expanded provision or the expanded prescription of sacrifice. Finally, we see not only the initial prescription, the expanded prescription, but the explained prescription. Notice our text that we read. We said in verse number 11, Leviticus 17, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. You see, this verse means that the blood makes atonement 
by means of the soul. You see that? Now, well, what does it mean by, by the means of the soul? That is by means of the life it contains. What did the verse say? The life is in the blood. Because blood represents the animal's life and the meaning which is kept uh, by, and the means by which that animal is kept alive, it also serves as an atonement for the soul of the one who is sacrificing for it. You see, that blood is representing life. The life is in the blood. The soul is in the blood. And when that soul, when that life, when that blood is poured out on that offering for sin, it is then and there that the identification takes place. Oh, listen, we find in here the meaning, the explained prescription. The life is in the blood and the blood will be atonement for our souls. You see, thus the animal's life is presented as a substitute for the life of the one offering the sacrifice. In closing, why why does this all matter to us? And I'm laying a foundation for sacrifice. And foundation messages are difficult. But I'm laying a foundation. What does this matter to you and I? I want want you to know this. Because all of the countless animals that were burned from the dawn of creation until now, all of the rivers of blood that have been spilled could not possibly take away sin. What has God been doing? He is taking the dim light of revelation from the Garden of Eden Slowly but surely through time, He is brightening that. He is making it known what sacrifice is. He is teaching a people what sacrifice is until the point Jesus came. Hebrews 10, 10 through 12 says, By the which we see we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he hath offered, had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. See, that's why we don't have an altar outside where we're constantly burning anything. That's why we don't have a brazen altar in here. We don't have to have one. One sacrifice was sufficient. Kind for kind. There's no possible way that animals could rightly take the place of man. He had to be a spotless man. Oh, I I think about as I was um, meditating on this message and this scripture. I thought about a a song uh, at at, uh, we sing at Temple Baptist Church. We'd sing it, it took a lamb. It took a lamb to take away my sin. 
He didn't come as a king but like he could, but he came as a lamb. He came as one that submitted to the slaughter. He was a lamb without spotting, without blemish. As a lamb, he laid down his life. As a sheep before shearers, as dumb, he laid down his life. Jesus is our sacrifice. Demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. I believe it's demonstrated all the way from the moment of Genesis 3 all the way to the exclamation of John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Our sin debt is settled completely by the cross of Calvary. Elvis, if you'd come with a song of invitation. Let's all stand. Have you received your sacrifice? Have you laid hold and laid claim on the sacrifice for your sin? Jesus died on that cross not as a social martyr. Not as a revolutionary caught up in a moment of frenzy. No, He was a lamb. He was a prescribed sacrifice. He was the one to take our sin away. He was presented to God as that burnt offering, that completely consumed offering on the cross of Calvary. I wonder, have you received Him today? I wonder, have you praised Him today? Have you gloried in the fact that you don't owe a sacrifice? That you don't owe a turtle dove? That you don't owe a goat or a lamb or a bullet? But Jesus paid it all. Paid the price for your sin. Maybe it's time in this invitation that you bow your unworthy head and thank God that the the sin debt was paid. The sacrifice settled it all at the cross of Calvary. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for the Lord Jesus. And I pray through these ramblings and through this message, You'd gain ultimate glory. God, I pray that You'd be exalted Oh, by what has been preached today. God, I pray that you'd be lifted up and treasured for what you are. The sacrifice to end all sacrifice. Not dead anymore. uh, Died, buried, and resurrected, Father. We follow a living Lord. God, I pray you would bless this message to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. I'm trusting to We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand